to have the, the Franklins with us. They are only here in the States from Brazil for, for a couple months, primarily to see family and to see their, their couple of their girls back off to college. And so we are just delighted that they were able to squeeze us in and uh, be in the harbor area here for a little bit and see some of their friends and the church family. You know, we, we have the delight and the privilege of being their sending church. And as I mentioned, I believe last Sunday, uh, just a few months ago, marked God's or their 25th, their 20th anniversary of God working through them on the mission field in Brazil. So this is just a, a, a testimony of God's faithfulness and his goodness to them and through them uh, for the sake of the gospel. And uh, as uh, Tim spoke with the men yesterday morning, I had just a few minutes to reminisce with him. And, and uh, you, you, you gotta understand, Tim's, Tim was here before I was here at Discovery and uh, attended seminary in Tacoma. And we were reminiscing just a little bit. He said, one of the things that the church kept uh, because this is their first time to see the new construction and all. He says, I'm glad to see that the fireside room is still here. We all met in the foyer there around the fireplace with the men. And, and uh, for those who were here maybe three years ago in prior, you know that the fireside room up in the, up, up in the old house, right, right here where this Ed Wing sits, the fireside room was a special place where a lot of ministry, a lot of fellowship, a lot of Bible study took place for many, many years. And anyway, here we are today, and we're just, just delighted to have the Franklins with us. If you have not gotten to know them personally, I encourage you to, to, to reach out to them, say hello, get, get a connection face-to-face. -face. You could not ask for, for a sweeter, more sincere, dedicated to the Lord family, and we just rejoice in God that we get to spend this time with him now. So would you join me in giving uh, Tim and them a warm welcome? Good morning, Tim and Martia Franklin. We have four daughters, Natalie, Rebecca, Rachel, and Hannah. We serve the Lord in Natal, Brazil. Our oldest daughter, Natalie, is married to a pastor, and they serve the Lord in Natal, Brazil at a Baptist church there in town, other side of town from where we live. And they have a son who's with us this evening, this morning, Ben our grandson, and so we're thankful to the Lord for the family that God has given us and his care upon us. We thank the Lord for his goodness in so many ways and his kindness through his people. And it's been a real blessing to be together with God's people the last few days, last few weeks, and we look forward to continuing to serve the Lord in Natal, Brazil. Our main ministry is related to preparing future pastors, pastoring future pastors. It's in the context of like a Bible college, Bible institute. It's called a seminary because it's the pastoral training within that context, four years of studying the scriptures. Uh, subjects related to the gospel ministry, both for men and women. We also are assisting in church planting helping local churches start other churches. So a picture there of the Bible Institute of the seminary. Uh, the Lord provided a campus, especially through the gifts and generosity of his people in the past and the administration. Now the ministry there is under Brazilian leadership 
And our role there is a role of support, especially in the teaching area as we serve alongside our fellow servants. In this case, their, their responsibility is learning and our responsibility is coming alongside them and life-to-life teaching. We also assisting in church planting, two churches in town. This is a kind of a map of uh, the city we live in, divided by the river, more of a tideland right there. Southern part of town goes beyond the picture. And in the north side of town, we have about five or six churches in the greater metropolitan area. And two churches in town have teamed up to start another church on kind of the expanse on the borderline where the where town is expanding alongside of a Bible school graduate, Davi, Pastor Davi and Miss Asada. They have two chil- children, Luca and Louisa, and they are the pastor of the church plant and we are assisting them. Right now we have about four families that are part of the church, a few other families that are starting to come, attending, haven't joined the church officially yet. And the idea is in a few years when the Lord blesses, uh, Pastor Davi will will take the church to autonomy, self-governing, self-supporting, and self-replicating to then maybe uh, replace or repeat this same uh, process with another family, another couple, in another part of, of the greater metropolitan area. We would request that you pray for us. Thank you so much for your part in our ministry, not only logistically, but also through prayer, and would leave a few prayer requests. Pray for our spiritual growth. Pray for effective ministry. Pray also for our home ministries and various ways that especially Martia serves in the home and from the home. We homeschool and we also host uh, especially Bible school students. We live right near campus and so a home-cooked meal and that also comes from the tradition that uh, we learned and were blessed by Pastor and Mrs. Suko at the time and as you know this is a church that's not only a Bible teaching church sound doctrinally but also reaches out and I'm pretty sure that almost all of us if not all of us here in this room have been hosted by Pastor and Mrs. Suko or other believers in the church and know the blessing of a Christian fellowship and so we also have home ministry as well and pray for our family our family is at a crucial time Right now, we have our two middle daughters, Rebecca and Rachel, as we speak, are on their way back to their, uh, their studies in Iowa. They're about a year, within a year of finishing up, year, year and a half of finishing up their, their college education. Lord willing, we thank the Lord for providing thus far. We had some wonderful times together as a family these last couple of weeks. And so, pray for us and our family that our daughters and the son-in-law and who knows future son-in-laws would love the Lord and fear the Lord and serve the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. So thank you so much for the privilege to serve together with you uh, as an extension of Discovery Baptist Church. And as Pastor mentioned already several years, we go back to before the turn of the century with Discovery Baptist Church. So thank you so much. I believe the children are now uh, dismissed to the 
to their aspect of the service and would invite you to turn to the book of Exodus chapter 19. Exodus chapter 19. As we explore the question, what on earth is God doing? A question that not only has geographical significance on a global level, a question that not only uh, leads us to find ask what God is doing, but also a question that often is framed within despair. I wonder if we could have the full screen back in the back of the next slide so that I can read it a little bit better and facilitate the transitions. But anyways, what on earth is God doing? And we have the scriptures that instruct us in, in the plan of God here on earth. And the question is also designed to lead us to think, what are we doing as we understand what God is doing. Exodus chapter 19 would, would uh, notice here in verse 5, especially verse 6. In Exodus 19, God says through Moses to the nation of Israel, If you will diligently hear my voice, obey my commandments, you will be a special people. In verse 6, so the whole world is mine. And then verse 6, and you will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Develop a little bit this idea of kingdom of priests. Priests have the role of intermediary. Somebody approved by a religious authority, in this case God, that then intermediates the, the people, Joe Blow, as we say, to have access to the Lord. As a lawyer functions in the legal realm, so a priest functions in the religious realm. And as we know, the Levites became the tribe of priests for the nation of Israel. They were the ones approved by God to represent the people before God, to, to offer the sacrifices that were brought by the people, placed on the altar by the priests, and the priests then were the intermediaries. The priests also had a role of instructing God's will to the people. Now notice in this text that God designed or God intended the nation as a nation to be a kingdom of priests. Not a tribe to a nation, but a nation to the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray for your mercies upon us as we seek to understand your word, your ways, your will for our lives. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we pray that he would empower us and enable us to please you in our time and space. We pray this because Jesus lives and intercedes for us. Amen. So, what on earth is God doing? God is good, and all that God does 
is good. God created the universe to demonstrate His goodness. We read that in the first chapters of the Bible. But God is in the business of showing who He is, showing what He is like. The invisible God reveals Himself to human beings so that we could know Him and please Him. So all that God does is designed to demonstrate His marvelous and His beautiful character. God permitted the fall to show His beauty. Now the fall was a bad thing. Sin entered not only humanity, but also affected the universe. Thorns, sickness, carnivores, wars, fighting, death. As a result of the fall. However, this, is, this was part of God's plan because forgiveness is not known without transgression. You can't see the power of someone fixing a broken situation. To build a building is great, but to remodel something that is broken, that's why you don't see a whole lot of old cars out there because the expense of fixing the old car is because it's a hobby, because you want to do that, not because it's cost-effective. God permitted the fall to show His marvelous beauty, patience, mercy, salvation. God began to reveal His plan to restore paradise lost. And so you have paradise paradise lost and God is working out paradise restored from the first chapters in Genesis God speaks of the restoration of paradise lost not in a garden with just a couple but now in a city a kingdom that will be global in which the nations will worship the Lord in time and space, capital city, chosen, revealed as Jerusalem. Not because that real estate is special, but because God is special and wants to show His special character. And within the backdrop of three global rebellions, God chose Abraham, Genesis 12, 1 and 2. In thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Within the backdrop of Adam and Eve, all of humanity at the time rebelling against God, the pre-flood world rebelled against God, Noah and his family, only righteous people left on earth. And universal rebellion in Babel, God chose Abraham. And God's choice of Abraham was not exclusivism. As we state there, election intends inclusion. 
be a blessing. I will bless those that bless thee, curse those that curse thee. And in thee all families of the earth will be blessed. The election of Abraham intended inclusion. His descendants went down to Egypt and took on Egyptian lifestyle, paganism. Through persecution, they maintained their identity and God redeemed His people, bought His people, brought His people out of Egypt. But He didn't take them straight to the land that He had promised. He took them to Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, verse 1, is when they arrive at Mount Sinai. Why did He take them to Mount Sinai? Because He wanted to establish a nation that was holy, a nation that was different than the other nations a nation that was different to make a difference Christianity today is all about trying to be similar to the world to attract the world but the problem is is when you try to be relevant you end up being irrelevant as you try to be contemporary you end up being outdated as you try to keep up with today's fad it's tomorrow's bellboss God is in the business of showing His character and His character is different than the broken world in which we live in. And the nation of Israel had a mission to be a holy nation, a nation that was different to make a difference and attract all the other nations to the God of Abraham, the God of Israel, the Creator God. Unfortunately, God's people, the nation of Israel, took these instructions and boxed them within their own four walls. God's ideal was is briefly seen in Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. When she came, she spoke of his riches, his bureaucracy, all of his palace and the beauty, his wisdom. But he praised the God of Israel. Israel did not fulfill God's ideal. But that's because God had a greater plan than Israel and the nations. God has a plan of all families of the earth. God's chosen nation rebelled. Idolatrous. They crucified Abraham's greatest son. They rejected the king, David's ideal heir to the throne. But through this catastrophe, God's plan advances, continues. Because through the death of Christ, God provided for universal redemption. This does not mean that everyone will be saved, but the death of Christ was intended not only for Israel. The death of Christ was intended for all 
the world. On the way to the cross, God, Christ stopped by, on the way to the crown, Christ stopped by the cross to call out his church. The church is not Israel, but we have the same mission. Corporately, collectively, the various churches, and individually. And that is to show forth God's beauty, His character, not only in our time and space, but beyond our space and throughout history. This time being tasked with being a witness of Jesus by going to make disciples of all nations. And so in this point, Israel and the church are slightly different. Israel with the mission of attracting the nations to the God of Israel and being a nation that would intermediate the peoples with God. Zechariah speaks of a time, paradise restored, in which Gentiles will look for a Jew and say, let me go with you to worship your God in Jerusalem. Israel will fulfill its ideal in God's timing. For now, instead of attracting, we are called, the church, have the responsibility to go. See, it's the movement that's different, but the purpose is the same. So we gather for fellowship, for instruction, for worship, for intercession, so that we can go. And going isn't far away. Going is next door or far away. We gather to go. And so this orientation is slightly different, but the mission is the same. It's all about God and His beauty. So history, the creator, legislator, and judge revealed His plan, wrote it down in the Scriptures, and told us where we came from, why we are here, and where we are going. Paradise, paradise lost, paradise restored. And the cross is not the destiny of history. The cross was important for history because it is through the cross that the fundamental problem of the universe was solved. Death, physical death, spiritual death. Sin, which is the cause of death. So the first coming of Christ was not a mistake that happened. The first coming of Christ is also not the destiny of history. The first coming of Christ is the basis for forgiveness and the resurrection is the power of restoration. The day you eat it, certainly you will die. Christ rose again to give the power, to show the power of humanity's greatest enemy. 
And every single human has succumbed to that enemy, death. Of course, you know the story of Enoch and Elijah. But as you know, those were special exceptions. The first coming of Christ is the key event of history. The climax is the second coming of Christ to establish paradise restored in which all the nations will worship the Lord, the Creator, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel in Jerusalem. All of this to show God's power, to show God's judgment, to show God's beauty. Humanity today dreams of peace among the nations. God says that's soup without salt, just a little bit of liquid. Peace among nations is only part of what God says He will do. Peace with God is a very great work that He's already doing. And peace among nature. Have you ever thought the wolf and the lamb? Last week, at uh, near my in-laws' place, our grandson saw some goats. Fed some goats through the fences kids like to do. And then we hit the road, and my in-laws communicated that that night, a mountain lion visited the goat pen. Just to pet the goats and kiss them. Yeah, right. God says that His power will change the nature of lions and bears and tyrants. <laughs> All because of the power of Christ in His death and His resurrection. So what on earth is God doing? God is in the business of showing His beauty, His glory, globally. All nations, all peoples. He wants the peoples of the world to know Him, to see and be at awe. Have you ever walked along and a rose has caught your eye and you stop and marvel? God wants all of humanity to glimpse, marvel at His beauty. What is the immediate trajectory? The near future. We're not in cycles in history, but God is trying to show us that humans don't have a whole lot of hope in themselves. The immediate trajectory is rebellion and apostasy. Surrounded by darkness and brokenness, the wonderful beauty of Christ and the light 
of Jesus to shine. Surrounded by the pre-flood world, God preserved Noah and his family. Surrounded by rebellious Babel, God called out Abraham. Not to be isolated, but to be a blessing. To be chosen so that he could include, would include, the nation of Israel. God chose the nation of Israel. That's the next one. Who went into unbelief. Going back a little bit on a microcosm, you have Sodom and Gomorrah. And who knows other societies. It's interesting that the area of Peru, the Inca Empire, almost all of their idols to the sun that have been discovered are cracked or upside down. Idols to the sun probably included not only idolatry, but tremendous sin. In the midst of such societies, God had Elijah, Isaiah, Habakkuk. God, why don't you solve the wickedness of Jerusalem? God said, I will, but the just right now will live by faith. And Israel in unbelief, Jesus calls out his church. And the immediate trajectory is anti Christian society. What in America is God doing? And we ask, what in Brazil is God doing? Folks, the immediate trajectory is anti Christianity centered on a person called Antichrist. First John says Antichrists are already present. And in that context, love one another because God is love. He wants His people to be faithful in our time and space as a reflection of His beauty. A faithful remnant in the midst of sin and darkness. God is judge. God is Savior. And God calls us to be a faithful church. What on earth is God doing? We've looked at that a little bit. And now my next question is, what in the world am I doing? What are we doing about what God is doing? That's a question for believers, but before that, there's a question of who I am. Am I on God's side or on Satan's side? All of us are born sinners, destined for hell. Born once, die twice, physically and spiritually. Born twice, die only once. Born once, die twice. 
born twice, the worst that can happen is die once. Being born again is a point in our history, personal history, in which Christ becomes our Savior. If you have never been born again, this question is for you. Are you a member of His church? Now, don't think of a local, localized building. We're thinking of a spiritual identity in which Christ, who died and rose again for the sins of the world, is related to my situation. Christ died for me, for my sins, and Christ rose again to give me eternal life. When I believe in Christ... God promises that I have His righteousness considered on my account. God as the creator, lawgiver, and judge is now my Savior. A point in my history in which I become a believer in Christ. At that moment... Spiritual life is given to us. The Holy Spirit gives us life and the capacity to live for Him. If you are not a member of His church, if you don't know if you've been born again, that's more serious than not knowing if you're alive right now. Find out, confirm, if you are born again, a believer in Jesus Christ. And I'm sure any one of the members in this church, this auditorium, the pastors would love to show you from the Scriptures, the living Word of God, how you can have eternal life in Jesus who lives forevermore. But what on earth is God doing? A little bit more related to us right now as believers. What am I doing? What in the world am I doing? Being a member of His church, who am I, is either one or the other. There's no half-living person. There's no, no, nobody that's almost saved. Now it's a process to come to understand and then the moment of belief and Christ abiding in us through the Holy Spirit. But on this next question... What in the world am I doing? For us as believers, it's not either or, but how can I align what I am doing to what God is doing? It's more of a spectrum, a more of a question of what can I do or should I do or not do that's in line with what God is doing. God is like a motorboat going down the road, going down the, uh, down the river. Am I rowing the other way? It's not going to change what God is going to be doing. But it's so much better if we can be a part of what He is doing. He will accomplish His plan. 
But the wonderful thing about it is when we are a part of his plan, engaged in his plan, in the future he's going to reward us for doing what he could do better than we could do ourselves. Why? Because he is a generous God. Goodness. Grace. What in the world am I doing? Are we aligned to what God is doing or are we doing our own thing? Are we wandering Are we really involved in stuff that is irrelevant? A question to continually ask ourselves. Realizing that it's not one or the other, but realizing that we need to have a focus on what God is doing and all that we do contribute to that. And a mother changing diapers might might ask, what in the world am I doing here? But remember that even those details, unpleasant details, can be part of a larger picture, ought to be part of a larger picture, the next generation of witnesses of Jesus. That's a mother's calling. Pastors go out and try to save the world, fix broken lives to the glory of God. A mother has the privilege of molding a child into a son of God. A lot of where Marty and I are at are because of parents and grandparents who molded us from before we were born, still pray for us, all by God's grace, God's goodness. So what am I involved in? What are my plans? What are my activities? What makes me click? What I do, is it part of God's greater picture? And notice that what God is doing is to show His character. We are called to be witnesses of Him even as the world is going downhill. We are chosen to be faithful witnesses to a lost world. Peter says, a a, a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Called out to proclaim the wonderful beauty of God. Called out not to isolate and insulate ourselves, but called out to be a light in darkness. Even as I hoe weeds in the front yard, that should be intended to show forth His beauty. All our sinners... But we are chosen to be witnesses to a lost world. Paradise, paradise lost, paradise restored. Much of humanity, most of humanity, are going to be vessels that proclaim the justice of God. God said... That the wages of sin is death. 
Hell is because God is faithful and God is true. He said it. And He won't change. He can't change. God is good. God is merciful. And so He sends out messengers to be and to do what He wants us to be and do. And for us who are His people, until the end of eternity, we will have the privilege of proclaiming His beauty. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being objects of Your marvelous goodness, forgiveness, salvation. May this goodness extend to all peoples around us near and far. Grant us, Lord, effectiveness in proclaiming and demonstrating the character of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for your people gathered here and for the blessing that it is. All because of your goodness. In Jesus, we pray. Amen.